HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink, inspiring public curiosity about food. Learn more at mofad.org. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meet and 3, Heritage Radio Network's weekly food news roundup. This week, we're celebrating Black culture through the complicated lens of agriculture. We speak to Carla Hall about her uncompromising soul food recipes. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I changing my family's history for another culture? We also hear from Gabriela Rodriguez at Harlem Grown's Youth Farm Uptown. About empowerment and, you know, community resilience building through this work. Um, Food is kind of just a vehicle. Leah Penniman addresses feeling like an outsider in the farming community. I could count on my two hands the number of, of people who appeared to be POC, people of color. And so I literally go around little slips of paper and, and, and say, hey, meet at one o'clock under this tree so we can talk. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. That's meet plus sign T-H-R-E-E, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. I'm Jennifer Leitzi. This is Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is about tech-enabled meal delivery service for dogs. It's really exciting. We've never really done uh, meal kits or meal delivery on this show um, because of a couple reasons we'll get into later. So I'm kind of excited to have the farmer's dog here, which is... Meals for Dogs. So we have the two co-founders here, Jonathan Ragiv. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having us. And Brett Podolsky. Thank you so much. And as special guest, because I do not have a dog, we have Kat Johnson, Heritage Radio Network's Communications Director. Thank you for having me. And Daisy, who is our official office network dog. She is. She totally is. Mascot. Excellent. She's being very happy and petted right now. Yeah, because she's getting lots of attention. (laughs) So we're going to start off the show like we always do, going going around the room talking about apps, apps we love, maybe something new we're addicted to or an old favorite that's been on our home screen for 10 years. The only rule is you cannot talk about an app that you own or invest in. Who wants to go first? Brett, do you have an app that you like right now? You know, actually, <laughs> I think it's airmail. 
honestly, it makes my life a lot easier. Uh, it's just, it's literally just a male client. Um, when you first mentioned it, I was like Instagram, but that's like so cliche and probably embarrassing to admit out loud. So I'm going to go with airmail. <laughs> Let's see your time spent. So ex- that's what I was about to exactly. open. <laughs> so explain to us what airmail is, how uh, it works and why it makes your life more amazing. Well, the thing that I really loved about it when I first found out about it was that it could snooze an email. So I, I like to get down to like email zero. Are you an email zero person? I really, I want to be. Okay. It's like, you know, it's like something that I strive for. Okay. Um, Are you close? It, I, I, I usually hit it on a weekend. Like wow. on a weekend, I'll get in there. It's so, really yeah, hard I'm on the weekend. I'm looking at mine. Now we're all looking at our phones. Yeah. Mine is like... In the thousands. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, well, so on my phone. Yeah. So it's yeah, I'm over. If I combine all of my <laughs> inboxes, I'm at seventy eight hundred. Oh my god! Plus. See, like I just had an no. anxiety attack. Yeah. Just as you said that. Yeah, and you know, oh, there's one that just went in, so I'm at seventy eight seventy three now. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things. Like you, you know, you put your phone down for twenty minutes. I had. I do have six email accounts on it, though. Does oh that make it god. better? It could be. Do you have your spam account? Like your spammy mom. No, I mean, this is another show. We might have to do another show about that. Okay, <laughs> so you're, and, and I don't want to digress because this is a rabbit hole of, of conversation. You are zero email inbox guy. I want And be. airmail helps you get there. How does it help? Because, so one, so their whole thing is about getting to email zero. Okay. So they kind of push you to get there, whether it's, uh, whether it's just, you know, putting it in the trash or archiving it. Or actually or answering. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. Um, but Auto reply? Yeah, the thing that or I... Or actual reply. Like, yeah, I actually have to reply. My emails kind of get shorter and shorter as mm-hmm. the day goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the well, that's because thing- you're a CEO. All CEO <laughs> emails are super short, like five words or less. That's yeah. been my experience. I, I've, I've been told that, uh, that, that Bezos sends just like a question mark to people, mm-hmm. which is like, sounds mm-hmm. really terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if I got that from anybody, I'd mm-hmm. be like really scared. Um, but yeah, no, it's amazing because you could snooze it. So if I just don't want, I don't want to like lose it or like archive it, but if I want it later or this weekend or tonight, I'll just snooze it until that time. And uh, it keeps my anxiety at bay. How many emails a day do you get approximately oh. all to all combined? Oh my God. Like, like maybe 150, like sometimes more. It's like, yeah, it's, it's pretty scary when you, if you like, when you leave the office for like more than an hour and you know, you think you're at take your, I think you're at zero and you come back and yeah, it's pretty scary. So you're on an iPhone Mm -hmm. and do we know if airmail is on Android also? I'm assuming it is. I'm not sure. Is it a free app? It is free. Okay. Right? No, it isn't? No. Okay. A few bucks. Oh. Yeah, you know. Oh, and you you didn't even know, so does that I mean did. you're not paying for it? <laughs> it's, it's one of those pay once. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yes. Or maybe it's like another one of my 30 subscriptions that I don't know is going on in the okay. background. Okay. Airmail, Inbox Zero. Maybe we'll do a show on that. Okay. Uh, John, do you have a email that you like? Is it Jonathan it or John? Jonathan. Okay. Jonathan. Or John. I'm flexible. Jay? Yeah. Okay. He also goes by Yoni. Jay or Yoni. Yoni. Okay. Lots of options. So many. Um, My my new favorite app is also an email app, and it's different, but we can skip that one and go to the one I use most often. But competition is good. Absolutely. Tell tell us about the email one because what works for one might not work for another. So yeah, we were. I think 
I had shown you airmail. You did. It was one of my favorites. And, and uh, did I steal your did I steal your app just now? No, because <laughs> because I was not able to get to Inbox Zero. It was uh, a real problem. Um, but I recently started using Superhuman. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, and for the first time in in a very long time, I've had Inbox Zero, but it's it's a recurring Inbox Zero. It comes in and you. Wow. Get it so right how back. does Superhuman work? Uh, very similar. So, so um, the focus is inbox zero, but also focus. Um, so it, it basically splits up your your inbox into important or other, and then it really uses shortcuts really well. So you're able to move along pretty swimmingly with um, emails that are sort of immediately trash and you move them away, or important ones that you want to respond to right away. Um, but it gives you a lot of functionality that a lot of the other uh, apps will have, but in like a very intuitive, seamless kind of way. So it sounds like it's creating sort of the rules. If you, I have a lot of Gmail, so I create rules sometimes. I used to be good at that, where yeah. all the emails from one thing went into a separate folder automatically, or all the emails from a person or you know different things like that. You can create rules, and then it'll sort things as they come in. Yeah, and it's a, it, there's, I think there's a really simple rule. It's probably more compli- complicated when you when you break it open, but it, it seems to be when it's people, it goes into one box. Um, if it's from like a mailer list, it goes into another. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really about how easy it is to respond, snooze, um, move to another folder, all very very quickly. So are you at Inbox Zero now? Yeah, and I've been for wow. for a few days. Which, wow! Which so is a never, few days. So this is new. That's oh yeah, I started. Okay earlier this week. Inbox Zero 2019, is that a thing? Unbelievable. It's unreal. We're okay, hoping. we might do a show on this. We might do a show. And I'm, I'm, Kate's I'm getting... nodding vigorously like, I need some Inbox Zero because yeah, I know it. you are not Inbox Zero. Oh, no. I, I, As I'm the communications you. director. But I'm with you. I really strive to get there by the weekend because then I can like do you? breathe. Yeah. Wow, I'm impressed because I know you get a lot of emails. I do. Yeah. And I, I, I have a system for like starring, like let me come back to this next week. It's like, it's, it's kind of cheating because I'm. It's like still there. It's still a to do item. It's not cheating. That is totally legit. It's your but process. It, then, it, like, I don't have the red circle on my phone all weekend, and it yeah. makes me oh, crazy. Yeah. So. By the way, if I have my personal email, that's in the thousands. I'm, I think I'm in seven thousand, something like that. Oh, so. same. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I actually just got an update from Eric at our office, who's tuning in live. Excellent. And, uh, Airmail is not on Android. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric. Eric's yeah. the best. He is wonderful, and Eric is the catalyst for this show. Yeah. Eric was on a panel at General Assembly that I moderated on food tech. And I was not really aware of the pet meal delivery space and the conversations that we had getting ready for the panel and the panel itself were so interesting to me. One of my, my, my personal barometer as a journalist is typically if I find something new and interesting, my guess is that my listeners will find it new and interesting as well. And at the end of the panel, I just had so many follow-up questions that I sent Eric an email the next day and said, hey, do you guys want to come on the show and we'll do mm-hmm. a whole show about farmer's dogs? So that's how it happened. And I actually did record the General Assembly panel, so we're getting it together to broadcast it as an episode of Tech Bytes in the near future, so stay tuned. Awesome. Awesome. So, Kat, are you using any of these email apps? I'm just using regular Gmail. Okay, so um, maybe you'll check some of these apps out later and see if they help you get to zero. I think I will. What's your favorite app? My favorite app is a new one. Um, we used to have like a pretty basic old Bose Bluetooth speaker, and we recently got a Sonos 
speaker. New fancy. New fancy speaker, <laughs> which was nice in and of itself um, because it has the app on the phone that you can control. You can hook it up to Apple Music or uh, we just got also got a record player. So now we can toggle between the two th- options. Put the needle on the record. Yeah. And then the, my favorite part about it is that it doesn't have to be like the Bluetooth directly connected to one specific phone. So Will and I can both control the volume on the same speaker and it's if i go walk my dog the the music doesn't cut off because it's not connected to my actual phone Ah. so does that mean also if it's not connected to your actual phone the music is not going to be disrupted if you get a text or a whatsapp or something like that because that happens to me sometimes where you'll be at a party and you're playing your playlist and then all of a sudden it's like ding Ding. (laughs) (laughs) not the vibe i wanted yeah so it's great i highly recommend it just because the app makes it Everyone in that in the whole house can use it and not even feel, Daisy. Even it's Daisy. So easy. When Daisy gets her iPhone, she'll get that app for sure. I'm a fan of Bose. The noise canceling headsets have changed my life. Yeah, yeah. Same. Travel. All yep. I keep thinking about is everybody having access to the volume. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. It certainly could be. <laughs> as long as they don't have access to the music and the playlist, <laughs> the volume's fine. <laughs> so, as I said at the top of the show. We are here to talk about The Farmer's Dog, which is a tech-enabled meal delivery for dogs. They started in 2015? 2014. 2014. They're Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2017. We love the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. That was Tech Bytes episode number one really? in 2015. Yeah. No yeah. longer under 30. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have to say that. You didn't have to broadcast that. <laughs> Nobody knows. It's okay. Is that in dog years? Oh, man. I'm really old <laughs> in dog, dog years. <laughs> Who's dog years? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like we're talking kibble dog years or farmer's dog dog years. Ooh. <laughs> so different ratio. Through the different conversations that I've had with Brett and Jonathan and Eric, you know, we talk, we pay so much attention to people, food, what we are eating collectively in the world. We become outraged when we learn about the ingredients in certain processed packaged foods, what's in a chicken McNugget, you know, the fact we're appalled to learn that, you know, the meat bits have to be bleached for human consumption and things like that. And it's really, you know, people are outraged and things are changing and, and people are paying attention to ingredients and food quality at a level we've never had in the past. But just adjacent to people food is dog food. And if you if it if it makes your toes curl to think about how terrible some of the people food is, what's happening in the pet food ingredient list is astounding. So talk a little bit about what that what the state of the union is in the dog food world right now. Yeah, I, I think what's what's interesting is as people and how we view our own food, we're taught to look at the ingredient label, right? And so what's happening in pet food is a lot of the marketing has now been focused on the ingredient label. And the the harsh reality that we discovered was it really has almost nothing to do with the ingredient label. It's the food itself. And for some reason, when we look at pet food and we see beef on the ingredient label. You think a steak or something you like think that, a steak, or a nice you think piece of beef. meat, and it's some hamburger. <laughs> yeah. What is it actually? It's nothing close to what you'd ever imagine beef to be. So the, the, the big difference between pet food and human food is human food can be legally sold to humans and they use ingredients that 
would be legal to sell to a human and make food legal from. in terms of the quality, USDA safety. quality safety. Yeah. And so wholesomeness, wholesomeness, yeah. like you won't die from edible. Eating. <laughs> you won't die from eating it. Okay. That's a good bar. Yeah. And so, pass. and in pet food, the typical ingredient is what they call feed grade. So it doesn't make the human grade list. And this is not a cut, right? It's not a, it's not heart or liver because humans consume those and they can consume them safely. It's the quality of that cut. So it's typically where it comes from in the processing chain Correct. more than the cut of beef. So when How we think it was about, taken care of. Right. When we think about going to the meat counter in a supermarket, we think of all the different cuts. But then we think about was the you know animal that it came from farm-raised or organically raised. And in pet food, the uh, categories are totally different. It's mechanically deboned meat. It's off the floor. It's... Mechanically deboned would be fine. I think you can have that in human food as well. Um, th this is, again, such low quality that it wouldn't be allowed in human food. Uh, and so, you know, it's maybe parts of the animal that were cancerous or, or meats that weren't, you know, they're, they're no longer um, still good. So they, they've gone rotten. And, and, and then so, but so the ingredients themselves, they're, they're whole. But then what they do to the food is what the, where the real problem is. So because the ingredients are so poor, they burn all of these ingredients to make this shelf-stable brown ball. Right. Oh, that's terrible, Cat. Are are you aware of any of this as a pet owner? And Cat's here. Yes. Cat and Daisy are here as our focus yeah. group of two. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I do know about a lot of this. I think what's hard to navigate is that you you know there are certain brands that this is common practice and you want to stay away from them, but then there's supposedly better brands that say that they do have real ingredients. But listening to you, I'm. It's hard to know if that means anything. Well, it's really is, hard to navigate. Is there one of the issues with labeling just across the board right now at this moment in time in the United States specifically, and you're a U.S. product for the time being, so yeah. we'll, we'll keep our labeling in this country. Many of these terms are not regulated or qualified by the FDA or the USDA or anything like that. So you said real ingredients. I don't natural. even know what that means. Natural, <laughs> natural is another flavoring. thing. Organic. It's, you know it's what? incredible. It, it's so vague. It's so vague. And I think, you know, the, the thing that we discovered, which was the biggest concern for us, was even if they were using these amazing ingredients that they put on the bag. And you, and you, and you just have to trust the brand, right? Um, but even if they were using those ingredients, the process in which pet food goes through completely destroys the food. And what they're consuming as an end product is so terrible. It's, it's carcinogenic. Because um, they burned it to make it edible. They mix it with starch. So th the way they get these brown balls to stick, right, is they mix them with starch and then they burn them to inc like at incredible degrees so that it's shelf stable. It can sit in a paper bag on a shelf in room temperature for years, right? And so that's it's a beef briquette if, or a chicken I'm not briquette. It's like briquette. a yeah, you know, like a, a charcoal briquette. Yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and so it's this shelf stable product that that for some reason we've just been trained to feed our dogs, but. On the bag, they put these beautiful ingredients, and so we just think, and "Oh photos. yeah, it's food. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's beautiful. It's beef. Yeah. It's, it's beef. what's for dinner. It's like <laughs> beef cereal. Is like what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the beef? And and yeah, is there really beef in there? You you kind of have no idea, um, and the the lack of regulation. It's tough to even to even know what's in there. 
But so, so that was that was our insight, and and um, I think one of the things when when Brett it makes me anxious just to hear it, and I don't even have a dog. <laughs> it, you yeah. know, I mean, just to think about. Uh, a living entity consuming things like that. It every just, it's, meal it's for distressing. every day of their entire life, oh, right? And so, so one of the things that we discovered when Brett, um, Brett went through this ordeal with his dog where she was very sick, the vet told him to cook the food, like just cook some food at home for her. She got better. And for me, I walked into his house. I see him cooking for his dog. I thought he was, you know, cuckoo. I'm like, what? He's like, he's like, I'm cook. He's had a big pot of beef and veggies cooking in his teeny East Village kitchen. Um, but she completely, completely transformed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right, right now at this moment in time, we are collectively recognizing how critical a role food can play in, uh, in the health of an organism. And there are so many people conversations right now about how, you know, Whole30 or keto or, you know, eliminating sugar or alcohol from your diet create an environment for your body that can uh, better or heal some instances, put you in a state where you'll be more immune to certain diseases and things like that. And, And that's very real. So if the, you know, sort of the environment of a living organism is impacted by, you know, the elements inside it, it, it makes perfect sense that dogs would also be affected in the same way. It doesn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah. And I think for, for humans, it makes logical sense because it's, it's like, this is what we're supposed to eat, right? But when you look at your dog, ever since you grew up, they're supposed to eat dog food that right. looks like a brown ball and it says right. healthy for dogs on right. it and we just right. we get trained that way well and you know when i was growing up we were supposed to eat chicken mcnuggets and mcdonald's but that's <laughs> and pop tarts but that's and hot pockets but that's changing it makes less sense so cat what do you currently feed daisy yeah i was just looking this up actually because i was like what what did i you most said recently so, buy you said so you said something interesting earlier you talked about um real food and you talked yes. about being a brand that you can trust so, so as the pet owner what's your what's your decision making process and where have you landed so i for the first like two or three years that i had her i fed her the blue buffalo brand which famously had uh, some major issues I don't think I was feeding her the specific line that had the issues, but I was like, I need to make a change. What, what issue? Were you talking about the lawsuit that they... Yeah, the there were some dogs that got really sick off of a couple of their products. Okay. So I was like, let me stay away from that one. Um, what I'm currently buying her is Merrick, um, and their two claims that it's supposed to be good for your dog is that they're grain-free, and the one I'm getting her is quote-unquote real chicken and sweet potato. And what are the pictures? The pictures are perfectly chopped chicken breast, a a sweet potato (laughs) slices, and uh, peas perfectly open. That that almost looks like the lunch I'm going to have later. Exactly. It looks delicious, doesn't it? (laughs) So, yeah. I was in the same boat. To just for for my own edification and for people who may maybe are not pet owners or for maybe who are pet owners who have not really drilled down on this, are dogs not supposed to eat grains? Is that a thing? It, are dogs paleo? It's it's actually it's actually <laughs> not as much of a thing as the industry has made it out to be. There there are a lot of because um, corn is a grain also, and I'm assuming that there's a ton of corn in everything. That's the there's processed. a ton of corn, a ton of grain. I think that you know the challenge is a lot of dogs were getting sick uh, from you know dry food as as it was hard and, to tell if it was the grain or the incendiary process and the poor quality yeah when you product. go to your vet right and the dog's very sick 
do you, what, what do they tell you to do? They tell you go home, rice and boil chicken. some chicken and rice. Yep. So if rice, and and, which dog. is a grain, it's so bad, yep. why is that a health remedy? Exactly. And so it's not, it's not necessarily the grains. But, you know, I think most pet food companies are forced to mess with their ingredient label and mess with the bags because all the food looks the same. It mm-hmm. looks exactly the same. So it's, it's really the only way to differentiate. And so you have companies that are changing their ingredient structures and putting different packaging um, in, in store, and they're charging more for it and, and getting consumers to pay more for a very similar product because of this desire to feed their pets something healthier. I have, I have a quick question about Absolutely. ingredients right because I know that in in ingredient labels on food for humans, it's ordered based on what's the largest By quantity. amount right. yeah. in that food. Is that the same case for dog food necessarily? <laughs> is. Well, this is a, a great very, question. Parallel the similarities and differences between labeling for people food and dog food. I have yeah. ver- a very fun trick for you. Are you ready? Yes. So another very common thing to put on a bag is meat is the first ingredient. Which is the one I have for chicken, Daisy. Right. It says debone chicken. How many ingredients are on that ingredient label? Oh gosh, I can't even count. Like forty. So so I'm if starting you, to be concerned now. All right. So yeah. If you, I'm if, starting to get anxious now for your for, for Daisy. So let's okay. let's say I had a pet food recipe that was five percent. Let's easy math. Ten. I'm giving too much credit, but let's say ten percent chicken, right? And the rest was potatoes and rice. So first ingredient would be potato, then rice, then chicken. If it was just three. But I need chicken to be the first ingredient on the label. So instead of potato, I'm going to do white potato, sweet potato, potato fiber, potato protein, potato long fiber. grain rice, mm-hmm. grain fiber, brown rice. And I keep splitting up those ingredients until chicken is the first on the bag. Mm. And so, and we also don't know what kind of chicken it is necessarily. You don't want that chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want it. But that, those are the types of tricks that, that uh, pet food companies can play. Um, and simply because you just you, you look at the product itself and you have no idea what that is. It certainly doesn't smell like chicken uh, or, any, or sweet potato or any of that, right? And for some reason, this has worked on us. They show you pictures of chicken and sweet potato. They're just looking at the bag. They're just looking at the bag. Just but looking at the bag. Frankly, I never, for some reason, I had always people looked at these bags. People do it with people food, too. They just look at the bag or the picture or the box. And they go, okay, yeah. Frozen, frozen dinners. They look uh, at the picture on the box, and then you open it up. There's absolutely zero resemblance between. There's sometimes like a green pea, but even even if it's <laughs> even you know even it's, I imagine pretty soon pet food companies are going to start putting little flakes of, you know, a carrot in there. Right. So they're like, little look, ingredients you can yeah. see. That's yeah. going to be the next thing. But the Maybe. reality is, if it doesn't look like it and smell like it, it's probably you just there's too much trust, um, and then the process anyway is pretty terrible. So, cat yeah. is. Farmer's dog, something that you would think about? Is it to? Have you ever thought about something like that? I have. I've actually I've been on the website before and like gone through some of the steps of how you would put the meal plan together for your dog. And what's your barrier to entry? Um, is it is it the expense? It was at the time. It was definitely expense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I think. You know, one of our bigger challenges, I think, when you see the product or hear it about it, looks the service, like real food. If people want to take a look at home while you're listening or in your office, it is the farmer's dog, no punctuation.com. They're also on Instagram at the farmer's dog and on Twitter at farmer's dog. So you, you can follow along while Check we're it out. on the air. Yeah. yeah. The food looks like real food in clear packet sous vide kind of little blocks it actually looks very similar to some of the uh prepared meals 
for people that I get yeah. sent. You know what's crazy is when you take the ingredients that pet foods claim that they have and then actually use those and make the food, it looks like that. There's nothing, <laughs> it's pretty jarring. It's like, wow, okay, this so, looks beautiful. So Kat, what are some of the questions and the steps to go through when you're on the farmer's dog? Admittedly, it's been a long time, but correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but it mm. was like, I don't know if it was breed necessarily, but it was definitely weight and like your feeding schedule that you already are doing so that you can kind of build the amount of food that you would need to order. Yes. I mean, essentially, we, we ask we ask similar questions, if not those, those exact ones. And, and the whole goal is really two part. One, as as someone who is taking care of a pet, I mean, you really don't know what you should be feeding them. Right. And so we want to avoid all of the need to market and play with ingredients and just, you know, we're the experts. Give us the information and we're going to show you what's going to work best for, for Daisy, right? So how important is it to customize for a dog? That's also something, not being a dog owner, I, I would not have thought about. But so do age and breed and size and things like that impact what In you want to feed them and how much you want to feed them? Incredibly important. And what you, if you look on the back of a pet food bag, it'll say something like, you know, is your dog... 20 to 30 pounds, feed them one to three cups a day. and it's a big that, difference. That's a wide range, <laughs> right? And um, But one of the more important things is, you know, there's a lot of science behind this, but thinner dogs live 20% longer than obese dogs. And so and and Daisy's, Daisy's looking great. She's I, a little skinny lady. Yeah. I was doing some research for this show, and I came across many different statistics. One of them was 56% of dogs are considered obese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most people don't even realize that their dog is obese. Or could be obese. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, listen, it's really hard to keep them skinny. I mean, my dogs, they you could feed them 10 times what they should be eating and they'll still look at you like they're starving. So, being Actually, able to give them Buddy just Buddy just felt oh, satiated yeah. for the first time in his life. He, yeah, that was a that was an interesting. My dog he just got he like got into a whole loaf of bread and no one caught him and he he couldn't finish it and he looked at me and he's like I don't know what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. <laughs> He's literally never. I'm looking like at this toast and I, this piece that I don't want to eat it. I don't know What's what to this do. Feeling? Yeah, his ego is really shot too because he had lived his whole life thinking that there was no way to fill him up. Yeah, and now there's like two pieces of bread left on the floor and he won't eat it. And he's like, I don't know who Just am I? Away. <laughs> wow, He's really walking away. Yeah. So anyway, to kind of answer your question, the the thing that of all of the personalization and customization that we do, the most important factor um, is the fact that we pre-portion it. So as a, as a pet parent, you never have to worry about whether you're giving your dog the right amount of um, calories or nutrients, and you're never gonna overfeed, you're also never gonna underfeed, so you're always gonna have your dog be the perfect weight. And you're never gonna run out. I mean, th this, part, out. this part was crucial to our entire model, right? Because the insight was not you know, pets need a meal kit, right? Or we need to make a fancier food. It was, we need to make a food with ingredients and make the food fresh and it needs to arrive. And our com competition is something that's as easy as kibble. And so how do we make a fresh food that is as seamless and as easy to feed, but make it accessible and affordable? And th really the only way to do that was to be able to pre-portion so we know how much any dog has. And then make it easy. And then mm -hmm. make it easy and make it immediately and send it. It's great. Yeah. So, Kat, I know we only have you for a few more minutes before we take the break. Do you have any questions or thoughts to put to Jonathan and Brett before you go or anything you like to ask or say as the mommy of Daisy? Well, yeah. The other question, you touched on this a little bit, but um, do you have any like ideas or claims that you do make about 
farmer's dog food extending lifespan or um, any other like health benefits that people maybe are trying to address by changing the diet? You know, we never, we don't make any claims, right? Well, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be fair. But we do get a ton of like anecdotal evidence and we have many, many customers that email us on a daily basis telling us about how our food has changed their dog's lives and therefore their lives. But there was actually this incredible peer-reviewed study that they did on Scottish Terriers where they just even added some fresh food to their to their kibble diet a few days a week and it reduced their cancer risk. Was it up to like 90%? Yeah. It was unbelievable for certain so types of So even just cancer. adding a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and that, that's fresh food, so it's not it's not necessarily our product specifically, right? And then we also have a lot of different studies about what um, highly processed starch and meats do in a negative fashion. Um, and we use that as sort of our guiding principles. Um, yeah, because that's my, my big thing. I always grew up with, as we affectionately called them, mutts. Yeah. And I, Daisy's a Humane Society dog. My whole... I believe that when we have dogs, we should try to make sure that they're living as long as they possibly can. Um, so that's like something I think is a big consideration when it comes to what you're feeding them. Yeah. Dogs, they give us so much. Yeah. They're seriously, they are the perfect species. They are. And all they ask from us is to feed them, to walk them, and to snuggle with them. So it's really easy. And the really amazing thing is like for, for me, I try to eat healthy, but then, you know, we're sitting in Roberta's right now. And of course, hey, Roberta's is healthy. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm natural. probably going to end up eating pizza in an hour from now. But that's fine. Yeah. In moderation. But it's good but like, pizza. And real ingredients. It's, yeah. it's wholesome, fresh, healthy pizza. Yeah. Well, okay, fine. All right. Yeah. I feel a lot better about it. But dogs. The pizza only has three ingredients, flour, water. Salt. And you could see them, so you, you can know. See them making it. <laughs> but dogs, they only eat what we give them. So right. we have this unbelievable opportunity to completely optimize their nutrition to perfection, where I don't really have that option. <laughs> but me and my wife, after after like thinking about this and talking about that constantly, um, me and my wife have we actually haven't done it yet, but we keep talking <laughs> about it. Where when we go to dinner together. I order for her, and she orders for Interesting. me. Yeah, because we care so about each other. So you get what you want. You get what you need and maybe a little bit of what you want. Exactly. Like, she, like I sit down and I see the pizza on the menu. She's like, he'll have a salad. <laughs> All right. So which is basically how my dogs live. So Jen, I have one question <laughs> for you before, oh, okay, I, before I head out. Oh, and nobody they, ever asks me questions. So well, this is exciting. Well, it's on behalf of Daisy because um, I don't know if you know or not, but she's pretty vain. She wants to know if um, she can put her Instagram handle on the show. Absolutely. <laughs> it's at Daisy Buchanine. Um, please follow along if you're a fan of The Great Gatsby. Oh, nice. so it's D A I S Y B U C H C A N I N E. Is she a, a famous Insta dog? Oh. She's not famous. She's uh, yeah, she's just she modest. <laughs> she doesn't post frequently because it takes her a long time to read chapters of The Great Gatsby and find a quote she wants to use. Audible <laughs> books. Maybe she should do Audible books. You know, that That's was true. the app that I was going to say. Audible? And I forgot about it. I'm on Audible constantly. I People love, love that. I have a friend who listens to a lot of audiobooks, and every time she says to me, oh, I just read this great book, I always say to her, did you read it or did someone read it to you? Yeah. <laughs> People always correct me. With like, Brett, I just know, yeah. I know it was read to you. Well, yeah. We are going to have to take a quick break. I want to thank Daisy and Kat for stopping by. We are going to find out who is the amazing sponsor of this episode. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about Farmer's Dog. We're going to talk maybe about that $39 million Series B. <laughs> 
and some other good stuff. Stay with us. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. Featuring a variety of interactive displays, MOFAD encourages eaters of all ages to be curious about food. The museum currently operates MOFAD Lab, a 5,000-square-foot experimental space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where Chow, making the Chinese-American restaurant, is currently on show until the end of March 2019. This exhibition celebrates the birth and evolution of Chinese-American restaurants, tracing their nearly 170-year history, and sparking conversations about food culture, immigration, and what it means to be American. It highlights the evolution timeline of Chinese-American restaurant menus, dating back to 1910, and also highlights a tasting section where participants get to enjoy tastings created by the country's most talented chefs who specialize in Chinese-American cuisine. Make sure you check out Chow while you still can. The exhibition closes at the end of March 2019. Check out MoFAD's tastings and extensive event calendar at mofad.org events. Seems like you like podcasts. My name is Eli Sussman. I'm a chef and restaurant owner, and I've got a great podcast right here on Heritage Radio Network called The Line. On my show, I interview chefs and restaurateurs about the trajectory of their career. It's a one-on-one conversation where we talk about where it all started to where they are cooking now and everything in between. You can find The Line everywhere you get your podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. And today we are talking about tech-enabled meal delivery for dogs. Now, we've never really done any kind of uh, meal delivery kits or meal kits on this show, even though... We've been on the air since January 2015, and certainly meal kits have been a big, big food tech story. But one of the problems that I've always had is the packaging required for the delivery. And it's such an environmental issue that I couldn't find a way around talking to guests about it and still keep it a positive experience. I didn't want it to, the conversation to turn into a downward spiral about killing the planet. <laughs> so this is the first meal delivery service that we've really had on the air and they have a really ingenious point about how they ship their product that makes it very different from the other meal delivery services and that is because it's for dogs they're shipping it frozen and the food is the ice pack exactly yeah 
You know, I remember the first did you time. Did you come up with that, like, as in a sidebar? Was it magic? Did you just discover it? Was it planned? No, we kind it of... It seems so obvious now. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we, we also, we, we would supplement with, like, let's say dry ice if needed on, on summer days or depending on where the customers are. But, yeah, it was just like the food could be its own cold mechanism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All mm-hmm. you need is insulation. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the magic. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the and then I guess the insulation was also a pretty big component, and we ended up finding like a biodegradable cornstarch type of styrofoam. So it you could put it into your yard or onto your composting you bucket, it, and it'll it it just break sink, down. Pour water on it, and it just disappears. Yeah, it's really cool to watch. It's yeah. made from corn. Yeah, it's made from corn. That's amazing. And, and I think the other the other the other point about the entire concept was we're not we're not delivering ingredients that you can go get at a store we're we're delivering a product you you can't get in the store a finished product a finished product that if you were were to go get in a store would have been made six months before that or a year before that and it wouldn't really be fresh um, and so I think that was that was just something we had to think through how do we do this and still make sure we're taking care of the planet you know this beautiful thing that also gave us dogs yeah Thank God for uh, Vinny Regev, our our first LA customer who we got to practice on. Yeah. Really, early days. my mom was very patient. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just remember the first time. I think we shipped like eight or nine boxes, and I was just like, and this was like before we had discovered any sort of um, like earth friendly insulation. And I just remember seeing this stack of boxes, which looked like a lot, and I'm like, oh my God, we're killing the planet. <laughs> like we need to find something better, and we did. And it's the most incredible thing. And people love it. It's a little more expensive, but it's worth yeah, it, right? Totally worth it. It's expensive for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's, I mean, without going into the details, just ter- in terms of percentage or, you know, times, how much more expensive is the biodegradable, environmentally friendly packaging versus the terrible, toxic styrofoam it's that like, will live forever and choke a whale? That's like four or five times. Yeah, and it, it kind of depends on which one because it also costs to store it, so it, it's quite the expense. But in the scheme of things, and how we ship mm-hmm. uh, the products, and since we don't go through retailers, we can take that expense. It's it, relatively, it's not so bad, um, but and it helps us sleep at night. Yeah, <laughs> and I would imagine it. that it helps your customers sleep at night, and maybe is also part of the deciding factor that allows them to pull the trigger. I mean, I often wonder if part of the retention issue of the people meal plan meal kit things is the accumulation of those boxes i mean if you're on a subscription service and you're getting those boxes every other week or every week that accumulates and they say you can reuse it but after a certain point you need an extra room for all the boxes and if you live in a place like new york city you really don't have that (laughs) yeah 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 and we, we 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 also allow people to get much more food at a time so you don't need to wait every week for a box and throw the box away you can have more bulk shipments if you will and then the other component is we're not we're not sending meals to humans that can change their you know desires that week or not have a predictable schedule a dog's going to eat every single day if you forget they're going to remind you right Mm -hmm. and so it's it's a pretty simple product to stay subscribed to we make it really easy or we try to (laughs) <laughs> so all of these elements, the real food, the frozen, the subscription, the environmentally friendly packaging, is is that part of what made you so successful when you just recently did your Series B? I was doing some research and 
the articles in the finance and tech space were absolutely glowing. This is the highest raise of any of the new uh, pet-focused companies, $39 million. That's a lot of... It's a lot of daisy food. Well, we have a lot to do. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of daisies that need our food. Yeah. What was the? What do you think? I mean, aside from the things that we just talked about, are those all the things? Is there another element that we're overlooking that made you so desirable to the VC crowd? You know, I, I think something that's overlooked, especially in our story, is is that when we started, we didn't we didn't start with a business model and we didn't we didn't go out and get investor money before even starting we really started so you didn't from have your passion. your 12 slide deck and your 5 minute elevator <laughs> and you weren't going to the pitch offs and none of that we were too busy for funding and we were, we're too cooking. busy uh, in the kitchen <laughs> trying to figure this out and so you know that that journey was a, was actually extremely helpful and and i think pivotal for for our business because every single customer that started you know we didn't have a very cool and, and sleek website where it makes it really easy to give us all the info on your dog. We had to call every customer. Our first hundred customers had a half an hour phone call with us. And that helped us understand what we need to build and, and what we really need to do um, in the best way. And I, I think that authenticity um, of our brand has also certainly helped. Um, but I think more than anything, that what excites um, investors, number one, I mean, all our investors really care about what we do. They love dogs. Uh, and they see the broader mission. And when you look at the market and what, what people are choosing to buy, it's healthier pet food, even though it's not actually healthy. So there's a very, there's like this cognitive dissonance that, that, that we are able to force that is like, you want healthier food. This is what that looks like. And as soon as they see it, they're like, oh, of course, of course. Yeah. And so if the bulk of the market is choosing this, we view this as the future in which pet food will um, you know, will be. It's also, my guess, an educational process, much to the same educational process that people are having for the past 5, 10, 15, 20 years about their own food and where their own food comes from. It used to be very like, yeah. oh, here it is, it's great. And then now drilling down on where it comes from, what the quality of it is, how is it processed, and even going one step further, now we not only care about where the food comes from and how it's grown, but we are going one step further to how is the environment that it's grown in impacted, and then another step further to how are the people who are producing that product treated and impacted. So yeah. it, it's not surprising that as people become more aware of all of the elements in the food supply chain and how that impacts the world around them and people are making decisions about it, then, you know the dog being in the family and in the home, it seems a natural a natural evolution. Are you going to do cats at any point? We'll do cats. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any cat owners on staff or no? We or? do. We yeah? do. And yeah, my grandmother's plenty. been dying to get food for her cat. So I'm basically a cat. My dog is essentially a cat. He's full. <laughs> he's yeah, full he cat. Is a cat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, more cat than most cats. Yeah. yeah. He's like a cat that's wearing like Climbs a dog out, like a costume. Okay. The dog like comes dog out suit. every now and then, but he's mostly like a cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just have this image of a dog sitting on a loaf of bread now, like sort of like the Snoopy thing, but it's the loaf of bread. Yeah. It's so funny. There was no loaf of bread, maybe a slice left, but it was gone. <laughs> it was in his belly. He looked like a, like a snake. 
that yeah. had had breakfast. <laughs> like There's the like, little prince. <laughs> exactly. The yeah. snake that ate the elephant. Yeah, so bad. <laughs> Looks like a hat. <laughs> Looks like a fedora. Well, we are out of time, unfortunately, as we always are. I always ask for more time, and 45 minutes is all I can get. No. And I usually squeeze out a couple extra, two or three. <laughs> I want to thank Jonathan Regev and Brett Podolsky, co-founders of The Farmer's Dog. It's a great story. It's an interesting company. They have money, so now they have runway and can keep going. If you are interested in checking them out as a story or perhaps for your dog, it's thefarmersdog.com, no punctuation. You can find them on Instagram, at thefarmersdog, or on Twitter, at farmersdog. Even though they had to leave the studio, we have Kat Johnson, who is here as our communications director from HRN, and Daisy, if you want to follow Daisy, she's at Daisy Buchanine. And actually, when I was also doing my research, Jonathan, your dog has an Instagram handle, at Scruffy Beagle. Mm. Yeah. That's him. He's his own breed. Brett, does, do your dogs have Instagram handles? Yeah, it's at Jada and Louie. Okay. Well, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Tech Bytes is broadcast Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on heritageradionetwork.org. Our theme song is Nomad, a CPU track by DJ Uptown Nico. We love that song. Our engineer is G. Paul. I'm Jennifer Leuzzi, your host and producer. If you like the show, come back and listen. If you love it, subscribe to it on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform and leave us an amazing five-star review. If you can't live without it, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, and give us some money. Maybe what you spent on pet food this week. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and we keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of grants, underwriters, and our amazing listeners like you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners just like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.